Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Smith coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, we look at a network of ministries fighting chemical abortions. We also look at prosperity gospel preachers John and Lisa Bevere and their ministry, Messenger International. We begin today with new leadership for a couple of the nation's leading Christian publications. Yeah, Russell Moore, the former Southern Baptist ethicist, was named editor-in-chief at Christianity Today, and Lynn Vincent, a motorcycle-riding Navy veteran and New York Times bestselling author, was recently named executive editor at World Magazine. Now, Russell Moore takes over editorial leadership from President and CEO Tim Dalrymple, who assumed dual roles following the departure of editor in chief Daniel Harrell. Lynn Vincent succeeds longtime world editor in chief Marvin Olasky, who retired early last fall. Moore joined Christianity Today as a public theologian in 2021 after resigning as president of the Southern Baptist Convention's Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission. Yeah, his tenure there had been controversial in part because of his opposition to Donald Trump and for advocating for sexual abuse reforms and the victims of sexual abuse within the SBC. Christianity Today is considered by many the premier publication for evangelicals. It was founded in 1956 by legendary evangelist Billy Graham. Yeah, the publication also named Kate Shellnut, a longtime staffer, as editorial director of news and online, and brought on Christian publishing veteran Joy Almond as chief of staff of editorial. In a phone interview, Lynn Vincent said that she hopes to continue the legacy of street-level reporting at World while also focusing more energy on long-form journalism. A longtime friend of Olasky, Lynn Vincent said that she wants to continue the magazine's history of what Olasky called biblical objectivity with a dedication to factual reporting and the moral framework of the Bible. Should add that Lynn Vincent is the co-author of 11 books, including Heaven is for Real, which was also turned into a successful movie. Now, Warren, you know most of the people we've mentioned in the past few minutes, and I say that by way of disclosure, but also to ask, do you have any thoughts about these moves? Well, yeah, you're right. I know all of these folks. Some of them I know really well. I've worked with Lynn Vincent when I was at World Magazine, Russell Moore. Um, uh, I've known for probably 10 or 15 years. Joy Almond uh, was the uh, one of the editors at Decision Magazine, uh, which is published by the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association right here in my hometown of Charlotte. So I got to know Joy, and in fact, she was my editor. I've written an article or two for Decision Magazine as well. So I know all of these people. Kate Shellnut is probably the one that I know the least well. And I just think they're all outstanding people and uh, top professionals. And I'm just very excited for both World Magazine and for Christianity Today. I think that this, uh, even though obviously I love some of the people who are recently departed from World Magazine, including Marvin Olasky, um, I'm still really excited for the future of both of these publications and just think that this is a really great move. Next, we turn to Dallas, where the Evangelical Baptist megachurch, the Village Church, said it has resolved a civil case alleging that a former youth minister sexually abused a former parishioner when she was a child. 
Yeah, the lawsuit was filed in 2019. A victim identified in that lawsuit as Jane Doe said that Matt ton abused her when she was underage. The suit also alleged gross negligence on the part of the church for not protecting her and claimed that the village church should be held responsible for the conduct of its staff members. But the church said in a statement on its website announcing the settlement that after a thorough and lengthy legal investigation, we maintain and firmly believe that we committed no wrong. We pray that the individual and their family continues to heal and receive care following this resolution. The Sioux sought $1 million in damages, but the amount of the settlement was not disclosed. Yeah, Tun was indicted in January of 2021 for indecency with a child involving sexual contact, accused of sexually assaulting Doe, the victim in this lawsuit, at a 2012 church camp that she attended when she was 11 years old. Tun denied the allegations, and the Dallas County District Attorney ultimately dismissed all charges against Tun when Doe uh, failed to positively identify him as the person who committed the offense. With the dismissal of both the criminal and the civil case, litigation in this matter seems now to have come to an end. Warren, let's look at one more story before the break. And it's a story of a church and seminary that has been accused of defrauding veterans and ultimately taxpayers. Yeah, spokesman for a veterans advocacy group testifying before the U.S. House of Representatives Veteran Affairs Committee last week called out seminaries associated with an organization called the House of Prayer Christian Church. He called them predatory actors that have been taking advantage of military members by promising an education in exchange for government benefits but actually delivering very little in the way of education. Uh, The FBI has since raided numerous locations associated with the House of Prayer, which runs five Bible seminaries and 12 churches. The raids actually took place in June. I misspoke a moment earlier. They took place in June after former students tipped off authorities about alleged discrepancies between what they were promised in exchange for their GI Bill benefits and what they actually received. Students interviewed by the advocacy group Veterans Education Services said that they had used all of their government education money going to school at the church's seminaries, but that none of them had earned any sort of certificate of completion. The amount of the alleged fraud may have topped $7 million. Yeah, that's a lot of money, and Veterans Education Services is calling now for an overhaul of the GI Bill school approval program to include only institutions that ensure educational quality, don't overcharge for tuition, and use the funds only for education and not, for example, for living expenses. They've also got to demonstrate a track record of minimum student outcomes, and uh, they must be appropriately credentialed. So they also asked for some other qualifications as well. Now, in the case of the House of Prayer, the former students and employees interviewed by VES, or Veterans Education Success, said that some of the time they weren't even going to class at all, but they spent time doing chores for church leaders or amazingly recruiting other students. The church also allegedly misrepresented teacher qualifications and inflated tuition. Warren, we need to take a break. 
when we return, a Christian ministry is working to fight chemical abortions in the post-Roe era. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and we'll have that story and much more after the short break. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Next up, in the post-Roe era, laws related to abortion will be decided at the state level. And in the 50 years since Roe, chemical abortions have become significant, if not dominant. Now, one ministry is mobilizing to deal with this new threat to babies. Yeah, in 2000, there were virtually no chemical abortions, uh, at least according to Jor-El Godsey, who's the president of Heartbeat International. Now, Heartbeat International is a network of pregnancy resource centers around the country, many of them associated with the Catholic Church in some way. But that year, 2000, the Federal Drug Administration approved RU486, a two-step process to chemically induce abortions. Godsey believes that the proportion of chemical abortions performed has increased from about 10% in 2011 to about 54% in 2020. And that's why Heartbeat International has come up with a strategy to combat chemical abortions with a new initiative. And that initiative is called APRN, or Abortion Pill Rescue Network. How does it work? Well, women initiating a chemical abortion might change their mind, and because the process involves two steps, you've got to take one pill on one day and then wait a period of time before you take the second pill, it can be reversed or interrupted. Uh, Based on the work of Dr. Matthew Harrison and Dr. George Delgado, who developed a protocol for reversing chemical abortion, Heartbeat International, using that protocol, has built an emergency network of medical professionals for women to call and receive treatment. Uh, Godsey said that about 75% of women who contact APRN do so within 24 hours of taking the first dose of the abortifacient. And if doctors are able to intervene within 72 hours of the first pill, women have a pretty good chance of success between 64 and 68%. Again, these numbers, according to Heartbeat International's Joel Godsey. Now, between 2010 and 2017, uh, Delgado, Dr. George Delgado, who helped originate this protocol, was handling the rescue network on his own, though through his efforts, about 450 babies were rescued. But since Heartbeat International took over in 2018, the network has reversed more than 3,000 chemical abortions, and about 1,000 of them took place in 2020 alone. 
Wow, that is absolutely amazing. So the effort is growing, but that's just a fraction of the chemical abortions that take place. So what's next? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Heartbeat International is one of the largest networks of resource uh, pregnancy resource centers in the nation, as I mentioned, uh, CareNet being the other one. And it's currently training about 1,000 volunteers to know what to do if a woman has initiated a chemical abortion, but changes her mind and then comes to them. There's also an APRN hotline, which is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, that allows women to speak with trained nurses at absolutely no cost. We've got details of all of these services at the Ministry Watch website. Our next story is about a prominent ministry based here in Colorado Springs, or more precisely just outside of Colorado Springs, in the town of Woodland Park. Yeah, Andrew Womack's Karis Bible College is uh, an organization we've reported on some here at Ministry Watch. Uh, They can now build student housing tax-free after the Woodland Park City Council approved a request late Thursday night from the organization that reverses a decades-old pledge, a decade-old pledge to pay taxes on the housing. Now, after about three hours of often passionate public testimony, the council voted five to two to amend the city's 2012 agreement with Karis, allowing construction to start soon on housing for about 160 students that are expected to be at the college in the coming year. Now, Andrew Nussbaum, uh, who is an attorney for Karis, said that it was illegal to tax student housing at Karis and claimed that operating the housing as a taxable business would force students to sacrifice prayer, Bible study, and other aspects that are important to their spiritual formation. Well, that makes sense, but the county, Teller County, said that all the new building at Karis was putting a strain on services. Yeah, the county's fire department uh, had opposed this change in the tax status, uh, citing increased demand for services without getting any additional funding. 99% of the funding, by the way, for the county's fire department does come from property taxes. And they asked the council to consider alternative methods of payment in lieu of that tax. Now, Nussbaum also, again, he's the attorney for Andrew Womack and for Karras, announced that the ministry would honor its moral commitment, even though it wasn't a legal commitment, to the city by making a one-time non-binding donation of $250,000, which they said would help the city's utilities department secure additional water rights. Our next story is another one about the Bible translation industry, and it focuses on an idea called the last mile. What does that mean? Well, some of our listeners may be familiar, uh, Natasha, with the phrase last mile in transportation logistics or maybe even the internet or electric utilities. It's the challenge that many organizations face of delivering a package to the recipient or maybe electricity or the internet to an end user. It's pretty easy, for example, to get a package from New York to Los Angeles, 3,000 miles, just put it on one of the thousands of planes, trains, trucks, or automobiles that make that trip every day. But getting it to a particular house in Los Angeles requires a high level of customization and sophisticated infrastructure, thus the last mile problem. So how does that relate to the Bible translation industry? Well, one of the dirty little secrets of the Bible translation industry is that 
you know, just like the transportation industry is good at moving packages long distances, that last little bit of uh, getting the Bible to an actual person and getting them to study the Bible is sometimes something that they don't do quite as well. Uh, Bibles get translated and printed, and sometimes that process can take decades and millions of dollars, but often those Bibles just sit in warehouses or go unread for other reasons by uh, the people they're intended for. So what's the solution? Well, the Bible translation industry doesn't really have great answers at this point. Uh, We did a little back-of-the-envelope math and discovered that the 11 organizations that make up a Bible translation network called Illuminations raised about $520 million last year. That's over a half a billion dollars. But they completed only about 15 Bible translations. Now, keep in mind that there are thousands of languages that still don't have a Bible translation. And if you do the math, that means that it takes about $34 million to do one translation of the Bible. At the current rate, it'll take tens of billions of dollars and maybe, you know, decades or even a century or more to provide Bibles to everybody who needs one. Now, I should also add that these numbers that I just cited to you uh, are in contrast to a recent study by the Sagamore Institute, a think tank uh, based in Indiana, that was commissioned to do a study of the cost of Bible translation. They said that the cost of Bible translation was only about a million dollars per Bible. Well, if that's true, why aren't we getting more Bible translations and getting them faster? Well, I think the short answer is that they, it can't be true, or at least both of these numbers can't be true. The reality is that the Bible translation in- industry spends probably 25 to 35% of the money it takes in just on raising more money or maintaining the infrastructure of the organizations themselves, not on doing the actual Bible translation itself. Some of them are engaged in last-mile activities, but it's likely that these activities would be much more efficiently handled by missionary agencies that are doing, again, traditional missions work, such as discipleship and church planting. Uh, But over the past 100-plus years, mission drift and mission creep have come into missionary agencies and Bible translation organizations, and now we've got kind of a big mess in both worlds. That said, I do recommend that our listeners read Kim Roberts' story. It's on the front page of the Ministry Watch website. And also type in Bible translation into our search engine, and you'll see that we've done more than two dozen stories over the past two years about the Bible translation industry. It'll give you a good overview of the problems and the opportunities there. Warden, we're going to take another break. When we return our weekly lightning round of ministry news, I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hello, everyone. I'm Brittany with Save the Storks. Save the Storks is a pro-life ministry passionate about inspiring the world to reimagine the pro-life movement by serving and valuing every life. Save the Storks partners with pregnancy centers all across the U.S. to own and operate a stork bus to offer free ultrasounds and pregnancy tests to women in unplanned pregnancies. Stork buses park near college campuses, abortion clinics, shopping centers, and serve rural communities that lack medical care. Save the Storks is pleased to be the sponsor of the Ministry Watch podcast. For more information about our life-saving organization and how we partner with pregnancy resource centers around the country, go to savethestorks.com. That's savethestorks.com. 
Welcome back. I'm Natasha Smith with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Now, we like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What's up first? Well, it wouldn't be right uh, if we let the week go by and not celebrate the life of prominent Wisconsin Pastor Stuart Briscoe, uh, recognized for founding uh, the broadcast ministry, Telling the Truth, and authoring more than 40 books. He died on August 3rd. He was 91 years old. The British-born Briscoe transformed Elmwood Church in the Milwaukee suburb of Brookfield into a megachurch when he when he and his wife Jill took over it at about 350 uh, members. Today it has about 7,000 people, making it the largest in the state. But uh, his work went far beyond that congregation to encompass, again, the uh, many books uh, and the radio ministry that I've already mentioned. And I should add, uh, Natasha, if you'll allow me a moment of personal privilege here, that uh, when I was coming along in the 70s and 80s, Stuart and Jill Briscoe uh, were kind of the go-to Bible teachers um, of that era. They were formative in my life and in the lives of many evangelicals of a certain age, shall we say. So um, I was sad to hear about his uh, death, but also just was uh, rejoicing at remembering all of the great work that both he and his wife, Jill, have done over the years. Who's in the ministry spotlight this week? Messenger International is the ministry that we're spotlighting. They began in 1990 as the teaching ministry of John and Lisa Bevere. Uh, We spotlighted this ministry because it takes in a lot of money each year, more than $15 million, but it has a number of governance problems. It's not a member of the ECFA, the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. In 2018, it changed its status to a church so that it no longer files Form 990s. It has a number of family members on the staff and board. So I recommend that our listeners, especially those of you that know about John and Lisa Bevere and maybe uh, watch their sermons or read their books, Look at their complete profile and make a decision for yourself whether it's the sort of ministry that you want to support. Do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, just a reminder that if you make a donation to Ministry Watch during the month of August, you'll receive a free one-year subscription to World Magazine. Uh, We made this offer last year and got a great response, but I know that we have a lot of new people listening to the podcast today that weren't with us a year ago. So if you're new... Uh, or if you just want to renew your subscription, this is a fantastic opportunity uh, to pick up a subscription to World and support our work at the same time. Just go to ministrywatch.com and hit the donate button at the top of the page. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Kathy Goddard, Stephen DeBerry, Emily Kern, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Suddeth. Writers who contributed to today's program include Jessica Lee, Rayleigh Farrell, Steve Raby, Kim Roberts, Bob Smetania, Ann Stike, and you, Warren. Special thanks to Church Leaders and the Nonprofit Times for contributing materials for this week's podcast. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.